Welcome to Never Break Kayfabe. We've got a really cool uh, first time today. Uh, today is the first time in the 10-year history of Wrestler Faith Media DWO Podcasting that we have an honest-to-goodness guest on the show. So it is a pleasure to have with us today the host of the podcast known as The Last Podcast You'd Want. And it is a great podcast. Please check it out on iTunes, on Spotify. The last podcast you'd want. Uh, Mr. Steve Straw is joining us today. Now, he mentions a couple of things that I'll add into the link, but I want to give you in this introduction. Please uh, know that there's going to be uh, live pro wrestling again on June 6th. Uh, social distancing rules apply. Um, and live pro wrestling is coming back to Southern California. Uh, also, uh, Steve mentions an interview with Paul Heyman uh, throughout our conversation. A link to that will also be in the explanation of this podcast. Uh, so please check both of those out. And we thank you for joining us. Uh, please enjoy this conversation with Mr. Steve Straw. Welcome to Never Break Kayfabe. My name is Michael Davis, and today on Never Break Kayfabe, it's a unique experience. You guys that have been on this journey with me all the way back from day one when it was the Wrestler of Faith audio podcast, you've only really heard like two voices. You've heard me, you've heard Big Rick, but today we've got a dignitary in the house that's going to shake things up. You... If you do not know him from the last podcast that you'd want, you need to know him from the last podcast that you'd want. If you love movie talk, if you love just going through the this really deep geekdom and the creation of movies, people that love movies, this is your guy. I have known this man for a long time in a different identity. I haven't asked permission to share it, so I'm not going to. But my you man, absolutely, you absolutely can. Yes. Yeah, so, so I have talked on this podcast about the the manager extraordinaire Everett Scott. Today we get to talk to Steve Straw, the host of the last podcast you want. Steve, how are you doing? Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you may be listening to this, uh, Mike. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm doing well today. How are you? Yeah, no, I, I am doing very well. And now, now we're going to do a little time travel. Uh, the, the, I'm going to be on your podcast in the way distant future. But I, it's, I, I just had a great time talking to you. And I, I'm realizing that there's things that I miss in my life. And, and one of those things has been live in-person wrestling. And, and I've known uh, Steve for about a year and a half, almost two years even, uh, going to SoCal Pro Wrestling shows. Uh, Jeff Dino running shows out of uh, San Marcos, California. They started doing shows in the Claremont area. They, they had some shows booked in Escondido, uh, but COVID happened, so I don't know if that's coming back. But uh, SoCal Pro Wrestling, 13-year history in the Southern California area. Uh, area and I've got the first head referee, the greatest manager of all time, Mr. Everett Scott, with me. And I we kind of talked a little bit. I want to talk about the the scene of professional wrestling with you right now, Steve. That is, I I've been calling it COVID wrestling. Sure. It's this it's this it's this thing out of nowhere that the fans disappeared, the um, the crowds disappeared. You got three people in a ring and. 
I, it, at times it's almost, I can hold on to kayfabe. I can still believe what's going on. And then there's times that stuff's going on and it breaks, it breaks the suspension of disbelief for me and, and pulls me out of it. And I, I wanted to talk to someone who has been in the environment and kind of get, get your impression over uh, empty arena wrestling. Now I, I have been re- watching wrestling for a very long time. I'm, I'm 45 years old. I, I was watching wrestling in the early 80s, and Terry Funk, Jerry the King Lawler used to have these empty arena matches against each other, and it was a gimmick. And now it's not a gimmick. It's, it's a have-to. Yeah. So, so what, what's your feeling of the, of the product right now as it's being presented? And, and as we're talking, they're, they're starting to let the, uh, some of the staff back in, but what, what has been your opinion over the empty arenas for the last bit? Uh, so <clears throat> there have been moments about it that I absolutely love it. And then there have been moments about it uh, that I'm pulling my hair out. Uh, I, I, it's a real love hate relationship uh, in the mere fact that, that we just, uh, you know, last month we had WrestleMania, uh, an event that was so big, they did it over two nights, which was a great opportunity for them because they were able to take a two night event and film it. I believe it was over, you know, four or five days that they were able to get everything filmed and everything taken care of. Um, in one aspect, watching mania without an audience, uh, was, was a little, a little annoying, uh, if only for the fact that, that it is pure silence. Uh, and as someone that has worked in the ring as, as both a wrestler and a referee uh, and a manager, uh, not, to, not to break kayfabe too much, uh, you, need, you need that crowd. You need, you, need that, 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 you need that, if only for the purpose of, of spots, but only also for the fact that, that what is Selena Vega doing around the ring if she has no one to feed off of? You know, if there, was, if there was no one in that audience, what's the point of Everett Scott? Because when I was out there, half of my job was, was you know, working the, work the audience. It's, you know, the audience gets too quiet. Uh, it, it, my job, it, and, and you, can, you can catch old videos of it with me as Everett Scott, the audience would be as quiet as could be. And I would turn around and yell at them, shut your mouth. No one would be saying anything. And I would turn around and yell, shut your mouth. And the entire audience would get hot and get, get super back into it. And they'd start yelling and getting, and getting more into it. So, so the audience is a real vibe of energy for, for the entertainers themselves. So I think that not having a, an audience there can definitely take away part of the elements of why we like to be there, why we like to do it. It's, it's, it's entertainment. And yes, people may be watching it on TV, but you're not getting that same feeling. You're not getting that same excitement, that, that, that tingleness in the air uh, with no audience being there. Uh, and let alone the fact uh, that WWE just kept that stupid fan going the entire time. <laughs> Over, and that, that became very distracting too. It I, was very distracting. I, I, there was times I was more interested in the, the large overhead fan than what was going on in the ring because it, it made me miss Planet Fitness that much more too. <laughs> Every Planet Fitness that I've ever been in has got those big, huge, gigantic windmill fans in it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, uh, please go ahead. 
a lot of my a lot of my listeners know that I'm a pastor. As I shared with you, this whole concept of never break kayfabe started with the Wrestler of Faith podcast. And one of the things that I that I have been struggling with, I have been preaching in empty rooms. Uh, you you and I were talking earlier about a picture on my Instagram, and it's me. I'm the only person in the room preaching to a camera. And like my inner energy is just like zapped when I'm done because I don't have the interaction that you were just explaining. I, I don't have that person to look at and to draw some energy off of to, to keep going and get that little nod here or there. And within wrestling, the, the fans for me are almost more as important as what's going on in the ring. Now, has there ever been a, a moment as you as a referee, you as a manager, uh, a, a fan did something, said something, and just sparked you to go in a different direction and you got more heat or you, you, you had more fun doing because of a fan interaction? Uh, not so much as a referee. I mean, uh, as a referee, uh, you can say that my role as a referee is what led to to what became Everett Scott the manager because at some point in my tenure as senior official the audience decided to just start booing me they they every every match they announced the the two wrestlers and they'd be and your official Everett Scott and I don't know why but the audience just decided they boo and <laughs> and and I like the whole point of the referee is to be is to be uh, a partial impartial uh, you're, we're not supposed to pick a side. We're, <clears throat> we're neither good nor bad. Albeit, you can have heel referees and face referees. Uh, for the most part, referees are just neutral. Uh, so I never really had any real interactions uh, as a ref. Whereas a manager, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, as I've said, with, with no audience, what's the point of Zelina Vega? What is the point uh, of, of Zeb Coulter? What is the point of, of Mr. F you know, Fuji? Like, what, what is the, that audience is, is what we feed off of. I, I have made, uh, I, I know I, I've, I've had people that have looked at me with pure hatred and looking like they want to jump the rail at me. Here's a very specific memory I have. I was, I was uh, uh, doing, do walk in the ring as I do. And I had this habit and it wasn't the best habit, but I had this habit that if a child was wearing a baseball cap, and the bill was facing forward, I would walk by and I'd flip their cap off. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hitting the child. I'm knocking their hat off. I'm a bully. I mean, when it all comes down to it, Everett Scott was 100% a bully. Now I'm not, I will say right now, I'm not, I'm not about bullying. Uh, I, I get it. And, but I would, I would try and make it as memorable for the fans without crossing a line. And I remember, I remember flipping the hat of this kid and I remember walking back by, and I don't know if it was his dad, I don't know if it was his older brother, I don't know if it was his cousin, but this very muscular gentleman, a little bit taller than me, was just shooting bullets at me on the guardrail. Oh. <laughs> like, like, and he was, he was saying stuff, and I knew for a fact it was, it was, he was related or in some way to the kid whose, whose cap I just flipped. And he's on one side of the guardrail and I'm on the other side of the ring. So he's on one post, I'm on the other and I'm looking at him. And here's the fun thing. I wear glasses. Uh, when I'm ever at Scott for the, when I, when I wear glasses, uh, 
I didn't, I, when I, you know, sometimes I didn't have them on, so I couldn't really see. And, and I don't remember whether I had them on or not. I just remember looking at this guy and just being like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, I like fully mocking him. Like I beefed myself up and I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to jump the rail, big guy? Come on, jump the rail, jump the rail. Cause I'm going to do, I know, I know as a manager, I'm going to do one of two things. And it's probably going to be the second because although, although I am able to defend myself, I don't want to, I don't want to go running at them and forearm them because I'm a manager. I'm not really supposed to know that stuff. No, I 100% would roll into the ring and I'd get behind Anthony Idol or I'd get behind Dirty Doug. I'd get behind someone bigger than me and I'd say, get him. Because here's something for you fans that, that I'll let you know if you're at a wrestling show, you jump that guardrail. It doesn't even matter if you enter the ring. If you jump that guardrail, you are entering our world and you are giving us permission to, to, do, to do what we will. You can call it fake, you can call it predetermined, but you are not a professional. You do not know what you are doing. And unless we know about it, we will handle it. I have seen, I will not name this person, I have seen a promoter pull a wrestler out, not a wrestler, pull a, a, a civilian out of the ring by the back of their pants. And as he pulls them out, just a full right, just a full swing right, right to their dome. And then they grabbed them by the scruff and they threw them back in the audience. Holy crap. Because that's what happens. You, and you can watch the videos. Watch the video of Triple H versus Stone Cold at a, house, at a house show. Yet the referee gets in on it. Yeah. Like, look, look, at, the fan, look at the fan that attacked, what was it, Bret Hart two years ago at the, at the oh, Hall of yeah. Fame? Yeah, uh, Travis the, Brown. Travis Brown got in on that. Ronda, Ronda Rousey's husband. Yeah, everybody was on top of that quick. And and, and you watch, they beat the shit out of that guy. Oh, can I curse? You're them? good. You're good. <laughs> they beat the shit out of that guy. Yeah, and I I tell you, everything is kind of like respect of responsibility, especially what you're saying right now. And I think that there is some responsibilities that the fans do have. They really do add to the environment. When ECW started to really take steam and becoming what Extreme Championship Wrestling became, it sure it was all of the hardcore crap that they did, but the fan chants and the the hat guy and the and the uh, Hawaiian shirt guy all all there, it, they they kind of made that environment too. And there's so much about the fans that kind of make the environment that I'm missing. Now I'm going to say a name that you and I know. And, and I don't know how many of the fans will know, but when I say this, you're going to laugh out loud. Could you imagine wrestling without Mona? I knew the two you were going to say. <laughs> I knew the two you were going to say. Um, I, okay, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, no. I mean, yes, the, the, the presence that she brings to, to, the, to, the, to the show the, the energy that she brings is, is a unique presence. There, there is no other fan that I've ever seen at a show that can, can ever pair to the energy and the drive that Mona brings to an independent wrestling show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and still, though, there does come a part that, that the fans shouldn't try to become a part of the show. And I, I, I'll share with you your your words, not mine. <laughs> and I'm not Our talking. Words. I'm not talking about Mona. 
<laughs> but that because that used to one of the things that drives me crazy that I have not missed in COVID wrestling, and I really did not miss it this year after WrestleMania. It's the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania crowd. That there's that crowd, the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania is so unique that they it's almost like they are attempting to be a part of the show. When you're when you're chanting for dead wrestlers other than the people in the ring, you are trying to become more a part of the show than supporting the show. Absolutely. So that Absolutely. that that's trying, some- trying to put yourself over is is and and I have to say I have to say when I was a fan because I started as a fan in SoCal Pro. Like you can ask Daniel, you can ask Mona. I sat by them the first years of the show before I became a referee. <clears throat> and and did I did I have spots pre-planned with with certain wrestlers? No. I can tell you that right now, no. I never had any pre-planned spots. But did TNT the manager come out and choke me and throw me down in my chair? Yes. 100%. Did I know that was coming? Yes, I knew it was coming, but I only knew it was coming if if TNT felt like doing it. There'd yeah. be shows that he would walk by and just snarl at me. And then there'd be shows that he'd rough me up and he'd roughed me up because he knew I was one of the boys. And, and, and with that though, I did, I did a little bit cross that line and try and sometimes get myself over with the audience a little more than, than I would, uh, than I would the, the wrestlers that were in the ring as a fan. And I look back at it and, and it's, it's something I'm not particularly proud of, but it's a moment that I can say, yeah, I did that. Like, yeah. and, and it's something that fans really do need to, to pay attention to when you're at shows that it's, it's not, I mean, yeah, you're there and yeah, you can be part of the show for like a brief moment. Like you can have your, your 15 seconds of fame, but the 15 seconds of fame isn't all about you. Um, and this also comes into uh, a fun little, little thing of uh of of wrestlers not exactly knowing what they're getting into with fans and this will be a moment that i'll bring up that you were there for at the 12 year anniversary for socal pro with dr wagner yeah what happened dr wagner was going to give away his mask to an audience member and he pulled in a very lovely lady that he was sure to win the audience. And then who else did he pull in? It was Mona. Mona. <laughs> and boy, did Wagner make a mistake on that one. Cause he thought for sure the hottie would win that crowd over. Not knowing that half of that crowd knew and loved who Mona was. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that he looked shocked. He did look shocked when, when the response came with the, the round of applause that he was, he was going for. Yeah. But, but that's, that's Mona. And, but, but the thing is, is, is you, you can take the whole, the whole, and they'll, the, if they listen to this, they'll love the fact that I'm calling this because I never acknowledged them as a group as ever at Scott, but the LPC, the, the loud, proud crew, or as I called them when I was ever at the lazy, pathetic crew. <laughs> yeah. The LPC. They, they are a force. They're a full family. You, you got Daniel, you got Mona, who are married. Alex is their kid who trained with the school. Uh, you have Paul. You have, um, 
Oh, I can't remember. I wish I could remember his name. If he listened, he, <laughs> those are the ones I can remember. I think Adam was at one point, but I don't know if he had a falling out. I don't know. There, there, there's a whole, a whole crew of people that come to SoCal Pro, and it's more than just SoCal Pro. They go to SoCal Pro. They go to Ground Zero. They go to EFL, EWF. Uh, they, they go to all these shows and, and, and people know who they are because they're, they're part of the, the show. And, and as much as the wrestling community with wrestlers is a family and you heavily see that you heavily see that with, with, with what recently happened uh, in Japan yeah. with what recently happened with, with Shad, yeah. like no one wanted to see that, but, but everyone came together as, as a full community as a full family to, to, to look for him. Chris Masters, the, the day after when the police had already given up, Chris Masters got a whole bunch of wrestlers to get on the beach, to, mm-hmm. to scour, to look, to just try and find him. Uh, and they, they all came together and they're, they're doing great things for his memorial. Uh, and then you bring up Japan and, and I, I unfortunately don't remember the wrestler's name. I want to say it was, it was Hana. Hana something, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's tragic. She was 22 years old. And you know, you know who did that? The fans. Yeah. And the, 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 wrestler, the wrestlers didn't do that. The fans did that. She didn't kill herself. The, rest, the fans did. As, 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 as much as I hate to say it, like, she was bullied. She was bullied to it by the fans, and that's something that should have never happened. She was 22. You just voiced it very well, too, Steve, because, you know, you think about the family environment, and, and, and a wrestling crowd can be a family environment. I, I've, I've shared this. I've shared this on my podcast. You know, being a pastor, a lot of people go to church for community. I, I don't get that. I don't get the community of a church. My community was always SoCal Pro. I, it was that place where I could go away, where I could get away to. And it's, it's when that people understand their responsibility and they participate in the family, it's when it becomes supportive and it becomes a place that you like to be. I, 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 I was never adopted into the LPC, but I, I like being around and it, it made me feel comfortable. And yeah. then, and then I'll use the other three letters. And then there's the uh, IWC, the internet wrestling community. That's more about uh, talking smack and, and, and ripping apart reputations that, that destroys that family attitude. Absolutely. It, I mean, yeah. you, Please, please, please. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you have a lot of what I like to call uh, uh, keyboard heroes uh-huh. uh, to, or, or keyboard cowards, either way, uh, because they feel, they feel that they, they have the strength and the power being able to say whatever they want to say behind a keyboard. Uh, but you know for a fact that, that if you saw some of these people in person, they'd never have the, the goal to, to say something that they would easily say on Twitter because they can just delete it and take it back right away like it never happened. Yeah. One of the things that I really like too, Steve, about the family aspect of what a crowd can bring, and, and I'll, I'll use a WWE reference for this. I was talking to my daughter the other day, and I told her, you know, when Izzy grows up and becomes WWE Women's Champion, I'm going to cry. And I don't know if you know who Izzy is. Izzy's the, the Minnie the, Bailey, right? Minnie Bailey, yeah. And when she grows up and becomes WWE Champion, I'm going to cry. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's that having a sense of camaraderie. It's, and it's not about trying to get over. It's about doing what you're supposed to do in the community. 
Sure. And you were sharing that too. I mean, your role as Everett Scott was to be an asshole. It really and, was. Yeah. I was, I was a bad guy. I was, I was a heel from the moment. So, so, and it's, it's, it, I, I have to say, cause I, I never, I never really got the chance to say it uh, because <clears throat> very few people got to actually see the separation um, from Steve uh, to Everett. Uh, and I have to say, because I forgot right now, Jason Doring was part of the LPC. If he listened to this and, 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 and heard me forget to mention Jason Doring, because he is a friend of mine outside of the wrestling world. Um, uh, it's, it's, there, not many people got to see the separation from Everett to Steve. Um, and and the, the whole way I was, I was, I was made from, from referee to manager, just a little behind the curtain, it was a full year of talking to Jeff Dino before he even considered me pulling a heel turn. It took three other wrestlers, one of which being the person I was in a feud with for three years, telling Jeff that I had the ability to go from referee to manager and keep the heat and keep it going. And, and I, was, I was very fortunate enough with the opportunities that I was given and the, and the things that I, I was able to do. I, I, I can name a list of people that I was able to, to work with. I didn't wrestle them. I didn't wrestle them, but I've been in a match with Paul London. I've taken a cup full of ice and smashed it on Paul London's head. Not everyone can say that. I have openly mocked D'Lo Brown wearing a catcher's vest. <laughs> Not many people can say that. I've, I've, been, I've, been, in a I've, I've been involved in, in a match with Kikutaro. I've been involved in a match with Joey Ryan, with Brian Cage. And I'm able to look in, in the back. It's, so, it's, it's such a, a, a revealing moment when I look at Brian Cage and I go, man, you know, it's, it's funny because I know that he's not going to remember it. But I just look at him and I go, you know, you're, and I told him, I said, you're not going to remember it. But the last time we were in a ring together, you were in a tag team and we were on a, a baseball field in Arizona. And he stopped and he looked at me and I, I went, I was the referee. And he just like stopped and he looked at me and he just started laughing and he went, man, you were, you were the referee. And, and, you know, and it's, it's the, it's, it's funny. It's, it's the small moments. Like I've never shared this moment with anyone uh, uh, on, uh, you know, but uh, the, the, the small, it's, it's all about, yes, it's all about family, but it's all about small moments. And there's this small moment I had at a show where I was, uh, I don't know if you were ever there when I was selling cake pops. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We were always waiting for Everett's cake pops. I was, yep. I was always, I was always very vocal and I, I had uh, Brody King and Douglas James in the back and I'll fully name them because these were the people that kind of wanted to hassle me about it a little bit. And they, they looked at me and they went, hmm, you're kind of really vocal about those cake pops, huh? basically mocking me for it like like you're hawking cake pops and i looked at him and i said yeah the 75 dollars in my pocket's pretty good at the end of the night <laughs> yeah absolutely and that that shut them up real fast because they may be making a lot on merch but they paid a couple hundred dollars for those t-shirts and all that merch and and truth be told because they're never going to find out those cake pops were made by my wife's cousin who gave them to us for free. Yep. So it was all profit <laughs> for Everett Scott with the cake pops, uh, which, were, which were a big success at the show. I don't, and don't forget the, uh, the lanyards. 
my my favorite pos- possession was the keychains. Oh, but, <laughs> made by my wife. Yes, I have a pink and black keychain. Uh, it's an Everett Scott original. That's and awesome. I brag about it, and and my kid just loves it. <laughs> and did you did you ever have a chance to buy the limited edition Everett Scott duct tape made wallets? Uh, not not quite. I I I, I kind of capped out on the keychain. Sure. No, the wallets were before the keychain. So I could tell you the wall the wallets were were for sure before the keychain. No, I I was just trying to make original original stuff, and it's super funny because because the boys the boys would give me. Uh, you know, would hassle, you know, they'd give me a little bit of grief uh, yeah, and it's the boy, it's, it's, it's the back. It's, and that's the thing you have to understand. Like it's a brotherhood. So, you know, we, we treat each other like brothers would treat each other. So I know when guys give me, give me shit, uh, I know who's giving it to me out of love and I know who's giving it to me because they're an asshole in real life. Like I won't get into it, but I've, I've had guys that have just been outright, you know, you'd think they were the nicest people. Um, and I'll, I'll gladly tell you off, off, off Mike. Um, but I, you know, you think they'd be the nicest people, but they're the biggest jerks. Um, and, and just to get back to the whole, cause I know we're kind of going off, off key of, of what we were talking about with the fans. It all goes back to the fans. Uh, it's those interactions. It, it's the, the, you have the random people that will come up, uh, and possibly be interested in it. But then you have the constant fans like yourself, like the LPC, uh, who I know are gonna buy my cake pops, who I, I who I know uh, will will possibly have an interest in in buying the keychains that that my wife makes. Uh, I can tell you, like I hawked you know wallets to to anyone I could, you know, I had any anyone that would listen. You you heard me at shows. I, anyone that would walk by, I'd be trying to sell them something. Uh, but I was also that old grouchy man that if the kids came up during intermission and started talking to me and talking to me, and I didn't know who these kids were, like if your daughters had come up and started talking to me, I would have talked to them all intermission. I would have had no problem. I wouldn't have tried to sell them anything. I know they're regulars. You yeah. guys were great. You guys were great. But I get these little kids and I'd literally look at them and be like, so you guys going to buy anything? And they'd look at me and they'd be like, no. And I'd, I remember specifically one time, these kids went no, and then they started talking, and I went, "I think I hear your mom calling your name. I think you should go. I think you should go. I don't, I don't want you here, because <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm trying. I'm just trying to make a living. I well, like you're trying like, to. You're trying to make a buck, and you're still in character too. I mean, Everett oh, yeah. Scott would tell them to go away. Yeah, I, well, I'd always tell them kickstones. My my favorite kickstones. Get on, get on out of here. You're bothering me. Uh, and it's, it's, I went through so many, I'm not saying evolutions of Everett Scott because Everett Scott was always the same, but you can see a full, if you look at me from the beginning to, to me at the end, it, it's a full evolution. The wardrobe kind of stayed the same, but it, it you know, I, I eventually added a vest. Uh, I went from neckties to bow ties. Uh, yeah, I eventually stopped wearing contacts and I got my glasses. Uh, and it's, it's a full evolution of, of the, the character uh, along with the family that I had along the way, you know, we, we lost people uh, and we gained people and, and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, things wouldn't end up working as, as well as, as we thought they would. And, uh, you know, a heel that, that, uh, you know, turned when that went from face to heel ends up turning again and going from heel to face, just because you didn't think it was going to work as well as it did, but, but it was a great run, you know? Um, 
<clears throat> and I'll, I'll talk about, I mean, I'll talk about it. It's, is I'm talking about uh, SoCal Crazy, uh-huh. Katana Vera. We had a full, a full turn with them. And the turn was great. Uh, the turn was amazing. No one saw it coming. Uh, and it was great. And uh, we had a good run with him as champ. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't last nearly as, th- as long as we thought it was going to last for. Uh, and it was, it was the match with Paul London where I smashed his head. Yeah. Uh, with a cup of ice. Uh, oh, you were there for that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, uh, we, we decided that was, that was the right time to, to split us and have uh, SoCal crazy. I almost said his real name, have SoCal crazy go his way and have Everett Scott international go that way. And, yeah. and when it's, when it's all said and done, uh, I, I would like to say, although albeit I am retired, uh, uh, you know, I don't expect to see Everett Scott international, in the ring ever again, because you can look at our final match. You saw, you saw the decimation of, of Everett Scott international. Uh, Usagi uh, decided to side with idol, uh, which really left me with Doug. And if you want to get, I mean, if you want to get technical about it, because, because when it's all said and done, I had Ricky still. Yeah. So I still, I still had Ricky. I still had Doug. Uh, but I was, I was beat as can be truth be told. Uh, I really did mess myself up on that coast to coast. There were three moves I wanted to hit in that match, and I was able to hit all three. I wanted to hit a cannonball. I wanted to be able to hit the blockbuster, uh, which when I was a wrestler, because at one point I was, I was a wrestler. I wrestled under a mask, and my finishing move was the blockbuster. So the finishing move that you saw me hit yeah. in the match is called the last straw. That's, right the, name of, that's the name of the move. That's awesome. And anyone that anyone that knew that it was me, it's I'm Steve Straw. The last straw was the name of was the name of the move, and it was it was a blockbuster that in itself evolved because it started um, basically as a standing blockbuster with them with them bent over and me grabbing and them it almost like they're you know like a full and and it evolved. Uh, Chris Cadillac, former mentioned Chris Cadillac and B Boy. Uh, we were at a New Wave Pro Wrestling show. And I was before the show and I was, I was working it in the ring and they gave me the idea of dropping it to one knee, uh, which made it easier for that. Um, so I was able to do that. And then I wanted to hit a blockbuster and this will be a, a bit behind the curtain if you're all right with it. I, well, I'm, I'm cool with whatever you want to say. Jeff Dino originally did not want me to hit the coast to coast. And there are other people that have expressed their interest that I am a manager um, after the match, I asked, I asked a former manager their thoughts, to which they said, have you ever seen Bobby Heenan hit a coast-to-coast? <laughs> and I went, no. And he went, have you ever seen Jim Cornette hit a coast-to-coast? And I went, no. And he, he lit, and he lit, have you ever seen Zeb Coulter hit a coast-to-coast? And I went, I get what you're getting at. <laughs> I get what you're getting at. And, 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 and he went, I don't think you should have done it. And I, and I just was like, it's the only match I'm ever really having. Like I, I wrestled for a year and I had really fun matches, um, but they were all the drizzling shits. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a match that I can, I can say I'm very happy with. I was very happy with, with everything that came into it, every angle, everything that went off. Um, my, only, my only regret is, is the fact that I, I was not able to get my gripping on my feet for the, for the, for the coast to coast. Cause yeah. I wanted that moment where I could have stood up and looked at everyone and then, and then hit it. But it's, it's due to, due to circumstances before the show, 
Um, I, I had cut my hair. I had, I had had a whole new look. And there are fans that, that feel that they are possibly entitled to come to the show into, into the area beforehand. And I didn't want anyone to see me. So I, I, and I'm not using it as an excuse. It's my own damn fault. I should have just gone out there. I didn't have the chance to pre to pre cause I had practiced it before. Yeah. Uh, but I, I didn't that day. I didn't get a chance to go out there and just practice my footing real quick and, and, and get it figured out. Um, but I am very happy that I was able to get to that top rope and hit that, hit that shoot and bad shooting star print, hit that coast to coast. Um, it is, it is other, other than the championship match I had with Tommy at one of Tommy Wilson at one of the anniversary shows, which was underneath my hood. Yeah. Um, he did a five man gauntlet match and I was the opening match. And, and here's a fun one for you. Cause you can, you can find it. It's, it's a short match. Tommy looks at me and he goes, I'll let you call the whole thing. That's awesome. And I, and I looked at him and I went, Oh, easy. Backland diesel. It's and powerful. he went and, <laughs> and, and, and the spot, the spot I was on the second rope and I went, let's do it. And then I sprang board off right into his kick. Uh, pick up power, power bomb. Sit yeah. foot on the chest that that was the match like that that's my second favorite match ever that that i've ever i've ever had is is that that three second match just because it was it was back when diesel um yeah and and that with with that um i will say uh just going back to it all that the, the fans are great and we 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 are adapting as best as we can in the world of wrestling uh with what we have we've gotten to the point to where it started with no one in the audience. And I mentioned this to you before we started talking. One thing that really annoyed me, and, and not saying that one company did it more than another company, but I noticed it more with AEW than I did notice it with WWE. And that's the wrestlers, more of the cocky heels, trying to interact with people that aren't there. That, 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 that was killing kayfabe for me. That who are you? Who are you pointing at? Who are you talking to right now? Right. Yeah. And even the joking, like, cause, cause at one point I remember a guy got up on the corner. He's like, "All right, people, come on, let's make some noise!" And then he gave like a big chuckle, like, <laughs> like he's a big chucklehead. And I get it. There's no one there. Um, and and they work. They work with great. The one thing I want to say, uh, which I wanted to make a point of earlier, and then we went on a way way weird side tangent, <laughs> is um, I love the fact that we are able to get the Boneyard match and the the, the Firefly Funhouse match. Yes, it was so much fun. But here's my question to you, which I've been asking all the boys in wrestling, and and their their answer is basically it's wrestling. What is the point of burying AJ Styles alive? and then having him come back a month later like nothing happened. And what is the point of throwing Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio off the roof of an eight-story building and having them show up the next night like nothing happened? Absolutely. I, it, it's, it's, it's a point that, that you forget to carry the storyline through, and I've always have been uh, critical about WWE, about not carrying a story Consist through. Consistency. Here, yeah sorry 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 this is this is a side tangent which i will bring up of of you 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 are a big pet peeve of wwec wwe keeping up on their consistency uh-huh here is my biggest pet peeve and this will go this relates folks this relates to my podcast about movies 
you you are a fan of Marvel. We did talk about this earlier. Yeah. I brought up I brought up the whole Ant Man Infinity War. I'm not going to bring that up. That's in our episode. In Captain Marvel, what year does that take place? It takes place in the early '80s, right? Uh, I, I want to say mid '80s. I want to say it's early '90s because I want to okay. say there's a standing no. for Terminator Two. I will tell you right now, it's the early '90s because Stan Lee is reading his script for Marvel Rats. Rats. It's the early '90s. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and Nick Fury and Agent Coulson, who is brand new to the company, work for what company? I don't. Shield. Yeah. Shield. Yeah. They yeah. say we work for Shield. Jump forward to Iron Man in 2010, and Coulson says we work for the strategic homeland of something, 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 something. We're still working on the name. Yeah. <laughs> the very first movie in Iron Man, they do the joke of we're still working on the name, but then you get to Captain Marvel, which takes place 20 years before Iron Man, and they're like, we work for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. That's an inconsistency for me. That has uh, my, that's my only complaint about Captain Marvel. I will and say that. And it has the ability to pull you out of the story. It really did. I, the minute he was like, we work for S.H.I.E.L.D., I was, I, I'm not going to lie, I was almost infuriated in the theater. I almost went, what the exploitive deletive? That's a little Kevin Smith reference. Yes, yes. Exploitive deletive. Um, uh, uh, I almost like threw a conniption fit. Like, no, like, no you mother effer like you like that you'd say in iron man that you don't have the name for shield and I, i'm pretty sure you have colson saying she we work for shield in captain marvel i'm sorry that's my side tangent rant on but, inconsistencies but it goes back to what's the point what's the point and 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 not to cut you off again which i did i'm sorry you're um, good brother uh uh i think they had a real opportunity to completely repackage aj styles you just got rid of Gallows. You just got rid of Anderson. So you're obviously getting rid of the OC. You're obviously not going to continue trying to feud with the Bullet Club, which is always going to be bigger than any product the WWE tries to make. I turned to my daughter when Undertaker buried AJ Styles and buried the Good Brothers. And I just said, did they just literally bury the Bullet Club right now? They did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think they had a real opportunity to repackage AJ Styles. You but, can have him, you can have him come. They didn't, they didn't. They just yeah. have him come back AJ Styles a month later, like nothing happened. I would have loved, and, and I, I say this with the greatest of hesitation because I know the people in the community and what it is. You had a real opportunity for Taker to pass the torch right there. Absolutely. And, and, and AJ Styles is a phenomenal wrestler and has years on him and could have took it. The phenom, the phenomenal one. Yeah. Like it, it's a, it's, I'm not saying make AJ Styles the new Undertaker, but you could have done a completely new repackaging and, and, and oh, man, they missed it. <laughs> WWE missed so many great opportunities that, 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 I yell at the TV for them constantly. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't want to keep you much longer. Let me ask you two more questions. And oh, sure. I, I'm, I'm here as long as, as long as you, as, as long as you want, I'm, I'm good for it, man. Don't even worry about it. So let me ask you, uh, we, we've, we've long since stepped away from, from the COVID no fans. Uh, there's a, we're now into the continuity because it, so if the product has become about the in home audience 
And I'm going to tie all of our conversation back into the whole conversation. If there's no fans, it's about the in-home audience. So consistency and storyline has to be for the in-home audience. You throw, you throw Rey Mysterio off a roof and he's on TV the next night. That's inconsistency for the in-home audience. So I'm, I want to ask you a question, and, and you brought it up, passing the torch. Did they drop the ball with Brock Lesnar beating Undertaker? Did no, because, and I'll I'll just I'll just I wish I wish I could have. So there's a clip online of of Paul Heyman talking about that night, and to sum it all up, he he says, "Do you think that if Brock Lesnar wanted, he could walk into that ring, knock that old man out?" and end the streak regardless of what they wanted to do. Yes. Did that happen? I'm not saying that. He alludes so much to he, – he, 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 he's like, it was, it was planned. It wasn't planned. He's, it, yes. the, 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 the video itself, uh, I'll find the link. I'll send it to you so you can throw it if you want on this episode so people can watch it. Please, um, yes. I, I don't think they dropped the ball. I think Brock was the proper person to lose to Undertaker. I think they did it at the right time. It's, it was so impactful. I have a friend that is a huge fan of The Undertaker. It's, it's, it's his favorite wrestler ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let me take that back. I know this person because this person is no longer – not to get no, – I'm not going to get into that. He's no longer a friend in my life. He is a person okay. that, I, that I happen to know that at one point was a friend in my life. He was at my house when that WrestleMania did happen. He did not say a word the rest of the night. Yes. There, there were uh, three, maybe four matches after the Taker-Lesnar match. Yeah. He didn't even say bye. Wow. The show ended, and I went, Esparza, are you all right? And he might, he might have said no. I don't remember him saying anything. He just kind of got up, and he walked out. That's how much, like, under like, – I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I, looking back on it, right time, right place, right, right moment. I 100% agree with you. And, and I'll share with you why. And it goes into keeping the storyline consistent and keeping the storyline consistent in the, for the at-home audience in the COVID era. I mean, if, if Brock Lesnar is a former legitimate UFC champion, he, he beats The Undertaker. He yes. has the ability to do that. And I was always worried that it would be like a Roman Reigns. It would be, uh, it would be a torch-passing moment. And you know it was just a, a torch-passing moment. But Brock Lesnar, it makes sense that Brock Lesnar can beat The Undertaker even though that it wasn't a torch-passing moment. Yes, absolutely. Um <clears throat> And it really is. It's it's one of those. It's one of those moments that people. It's that it's that that torch passing moment. It's it's Hogan beating Andre. It's <clears throat> it's it's one of those moments. The only other person that I that had a match that I was rooting for ever because you you can always um, talk about whoever your favorite wrestlers are going up against Taker. Uh, and, and how they should have. But there's only one other person that's ever gone up against Taker that I think should have beaten them at CM Punk. 
I was just thinking that too. What the the Heyman era when they did that whole build up with the urn just after Bear Paul Bear died after Percy died. Yeah. And and uh, they, speaking of which, I'm just going to say really quick, Percy Pringles class act. I worked I worked that show that show that I mentioned with Brian Cage. He was their manager. Awesome. They they, they were they were uh, GSMI. Uh, which I just recently turned out, or G, yeah, GMSI, which I turned, uh, which I recently found out turned out for get my shit in. <laughs> okay. It was it was it was Brian Cage and Sean Rickers. Who okay. Is, who is now? Who is Sean Rickers now? I it, no. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> no, he's 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 a championship guy. He's he's actually. Let's see here. Hold on. Don't mind me. Um, but either way, either way, um, yeah, that that whole oh. whole build up. But but Percy Percy Pringle, I'm going back to it. Percy Pringle uh, was a uh, a class act. I remember Percy all the way back to world class. I was a big Texas wrestling Von Erichs world class guy, and I I loved Percy even way back then. Eli Drake, that's who Sean. Oh Rick yeah, is yeah. Eli, Eli Drake. Yeah, he's in the NWA right now. He and uh, James Storm have the tag team belts. Him, 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 and Brian Cage used to be a tag team. I uh, that I I wish I observed that 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 I would have I would have loved that. Managed by Percy Pringle. Um, that's the awesome. main the main thing I'll always remember about Percy Pringle is uh, uh, he's the nicest guy, uh, but the show we did on the baseball field, uh, they had a, a golf cart that took them from the ring to the locker room. I was the referee, so I had to walk. And as I am walking from the ring, and I'm past the fans, but the fans can still hear us, and Percy Pringle comes driving by, and he's going, Earl Hebner, Tommy Wilson, Neil Power, Pat, uh, uh, what, what was his name? Uh, uh, Pat, uh, Patrick. Pa w pa Nick Patrick. Nick Patrick. They're, they're, they're the drizzling shits, and you're worse compared to them. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> like, 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 it was just, and then backstage, he was such a nice guy, and he ended up, uh, like, he, he was like, oh, shoot me, shoot me a request on, on Facebook, and I'll, I'll add you, and, and we can be friends and all that. And he was a super nice guy and, and uh, super sad to see him go. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, going back to it all, uh, no, Brock, Brock cans down. Um, yeah, right place, right time. The only, other, the only other person, like I said, CM Punk, when they were doing that whole buildup, that was the only other time that I think would have been proper for someone to take the streak. Uh, but when it's all said and done, um, as much as I love uh, CM Punk, Brock's more of a company man that that's that's true and and punk never was and and that's what and, made him cool and that's and that's kind of why <laughs> i loved so so i was in las vegas the night of the pipe bomb yeah my wife gave me the chance to go to the show oh, we were in vegas on vacation and i was like oh man raw's tonight like right down the fucking street oh um You're and uh, <laughs> sorry and uh <laughs> And, and she was like, you can go if you want. And she, she looked online and she said, there's tickets. And I went, no, 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 it's live. So I'll just watch it on TV. Like, I'll just, oh, God. I'll just, that's just that. Yeah. And I just sat in a hotel room. It's like the time that we stayed at the Sahara, which is no longer around. And, and I sat and watched cops on TV while I listened to a band 
uh, do covers of ACDC for 45 minutes, only to then find out it was ACDC playing at the poolside and I was just watching cops. Oh, God. <laughs> I literally could look. The only reason I found out it was ACDC is because I look out my window at the band as we're about to leave for Blue Man Group, and Angus Young is doing his little, his little sh- across the stage, <laughs> and I just go, is that, is that ACDC? I've been like half, I was like half listening to it. I was like half listening to it, and, it's, and there's ACDC. Um, but, uh, going, going back to it, no, uh, Brock, right place, Brock, t- uh, right, right place, right time. Um, uh, and I think as, as much as I love, as much as, as it's, it's great to see Taker wrestling. Um, I, I personally feel that should have been his last match. Yeah. I, I, the, I felt the streak ending should have been Taker's last match. Yeah. Let, let me ask you two more questions and I'm going to set you free. Cause what, two more? You just said two. You just added one. No, let me ask fine. you 17 more questions and I'm going to set you free. <laughs> I'm in. Let's make it an even 20. <laughs> yes. No, real quick, uh, that you can talk as much as about it. Favorite wrestler, favorite tag team, and then that's it. Crash Ollie, hands down. Crash right Ollie, the, the wrestler that inspired me to get into the world of professional wrestling. Because he, he is amazing. I, that that the whole five hundred pound scale gimmick that he had going on, yes. Little little Elroy Jetson um, is one of the many names they called him. Uh, I uh, I was very fortunate enough to go to a live event at, at the San Diego Sports Arena, and this was a, a really rare time for WWE. They set up <coughs> they set up a tent outside with a table. I met Mark Henry. I met Tajiri. I met Val Venus. Wow. I met Crash Holly. That's cool. I had a replica cruiserweight belt that I had Tajiri sign, and I was in such awe in being in front of Crash Holly. I didn't even think to have him sign it. I just, I met him. <laughs> I, I, I don't even think I got his autograph. Like, I think I got a photo with him, and I, I shook his hand, and I, I remember looking at him, and then I said, I want to become a wrestler because of you. And I specifically remember looking at him and going, not The Rock, not Stone Cold, not Triple H, you. You are the reason I want to become a professional wrestler. Because if you can get in there and do it, because I, 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 for the folks that don't know, I'm five foot five. I'm not exactly the tallest of men. Um, I've been referred to as a hobbit, as both a referee <laughs> and a manager. It's true. I, I got, I got, that is one thing that I got when, when they started hating me as a referee, I'd get Frodo chance every now and then. Um, uh, but, uh, I was able to meet him and, and, uh, I, I said, I want to become a wrestler because of you, not because of anyone else. You're, you're the reason I want to become a wrestler because if you can get in there and do it, that means that there's the possibility that, uh, that I can get in there and do it. And he gave me the, the most sincerest, like firm handshake. And he just said, Hey man, they like, what I could take as the most sincerest, like, thank you so much. Uh, I hope it works out for you. I hope you can get in there and I hope you can get to where I'm at. And, and I'll, I'll say it right now. I don't think I'll, the, as much as at one point, the WWE was my goal. Like I would have loved it. Um, like I said, I've enjoyed my retirement. I don't think that day will ever come. Uh, WWE does not like managers, especially no, anymore, especially male managers. You got one on, you got one male manager on NXT. You got Zelina Vega on, 
Raw, I think. Yeah, she's um, on Raw now. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think they really have any other managers, and they're not, they're just not a fan. And and uh, I, I, I don't love refereeing. I, I love managing. I, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of refing. I did it for a very long time. Uh, at one point, I was the only ref on SoCal Pro shows. I refed every single show. I almost made a shirt that said the whole refing show. <laughs> I would have, that shirt would have been in my collection. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I almost, I almost, oh, I, oh, I, I'd see, and that's the thing is, I don't think a lot of, of referees, aside from like Rick Knox, have merchandise. And I almost made one that said like uh, Everett Scott, uh, uh, a zebra among men. <laughs> um like so so i was very fortunate with that uh so crash holly i i mean always hands down they're they're great they're great wrestlers out there uh cm punk is, is an amazing wrestler uh the rock is is a spectacular wrestler uh jericho uh, is is you know spectacular in the ring i was at vengeance i can say i was there when they crowned the undisputed champion i too was at vengeance um, and, and the one thing I will always gripe about with Vengeance is the poster boy for that pay-per-view was Triple H, and he was not at that show. Yeah. That, yep. was, some bullsh- that was some bullshit. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, Crash Holly, hands down, uh, favorite wrestler. Uh, and then the other one was favorite tag team? Yes. Oh, man. Uh, there are... So, so I was always, see, this is a tough one. Cause, cause if I had had this one beforehand, I could have done more research. Now I know what it's like for the guests on my show when I ask them for a recommendation. Um, uh, no, uh, man, I'm going to go with edge and Christian. Right I was, was going to go with too cool. Cause I was a big fan of too cool, but, but they're, they're, edge and christian and and i want to state right now i am more of a fan of christian than i am a fan of edge okay i am more of a christian man than an edge man i i will not debate you over that i i was a big fan of christian as well um yeah uh, it's it's yeah probably edge and christian uh the i started watching wrestling in 1999 2000 when and i when i was in high school as a senior i had a couple friends uh, that uh, were really into wrestling and they were all hanging out and watching pay-per-views. So I just kind of started checking it out and, uh, and I really kind of got into it. Like one of the first real memories I have is Crash Holly. That's probably also why he's like one of the reasons, like he's my favorite wrestler. He's one of the first wrestlers I ever remember really seeing. Um, I see. Now you got me thinking like APA was an amazing tag. Like there are so many, see, that's the thing is that it's, it's like what day of the week is it? Cause like the yeah. first tag team that came into my mind was too cool because Scotty too hotty and grand and grandmaster Sexay, uh, even when they had Rikishi were, were awesome. I always enjoyed them in the ring. I always, I always loved what they had to offer. Um, I got, I got a lot of the Hardy boys cause my, my cousin had a huge crush on Jeff Hardy. So she wanted to watch a lot of them. Uh, but then you get Edge and Christian, who just, you know, they were part of that revolution. Them, the Dudleys, that's another one. You know, another great tag team is, is, is Devon and, uh, and, and Bubba Ray, the Dudley boys. Uh, even when you throw Spike in, uh, mm-hmm. who's, now, who's now just a, a teacher. Yeah. Um, uh, so, man, there are so many good tag teams. Because then you, then you can look at the old, the old tag teams, like you have the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, and I, I mean, man, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. I'm, but I'll probably say it's in Christian. You Edging know, for, Christian. 
for me and you bring them up, it's like uh, from, from my, my younger years, it was a rock and roll express or the midnight. And, and it, and then I realized you don't have a rock and roll express without the midnight express. It it was the feud that made, I mean, you bring up edge and Christian, you bring up the Dudleys and and you bring up the Hardy boys. And it's another one of those moments that it's the feud that made them all noticeable. And then they they all support each other and it's great. And it's a real shame because tag teams nowadays just really get thrown in the mix. Like you have some really good tag teams. Um, uh, Prime example, revival. Uh-huh. Uh, they are an uh, uh, an amazing tag team in the ring. The things they do, uh, all fist, you know, no but, you know, uh, you know, like just all all fists, no flips. Like they're straight to their they're to the point. Uh, I, and I don't know if you saw this last week. Also now in a and also now in AEW. Yeah, I saw that, and they're there with uh, Arn and Tully, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it Tully? I want to say I know it's definitely Arn. Tully's there too. Well, isn't Tully with uh, Sean Spears? Sean, Sean Spears, yeah. Oh, yeah Arn's yeah. Arn's coaching Cody. Sean Spears has got Tully Blanchard. Oh, yeah. they well, that, they they fo- they posted a photo of the revival. I saw the photo. That's how I know, and they they took it with Arn and with one other person. It's so I Tully don't know. Blanchard. It was it Tully, is Tully Blanchard. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I just yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, you you, you did say uh, you're so this is releasing on the sixth. This will, so, yeah, this will come out next week. That'll be the sixth. Yeah, the, the day that that releases is the day of the Ground Zero show. So, um, Ground Zero is doing a live streaming show in a brewery. Uh, if you look up, uh, and that's the bum thing is 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 Ground Zero didn't actually post about it on their page. Their promoter Benny, aka B Boy, posted about it on his personal. So, it's on Twitter. I, I'll uh, dig it up on Twitter. It was on. It was on. Well, it was on Facebook. That's I can uh, I can I can get it and I'll send it to you. So and you I'll put it with the that. Thing. But it's yeah. it's the day this airs. There is a wrestling show that I believe is streaming online. As the world starts to open back up, we get some of the things that we like back. Uh, Ground as Zero. World, as, yes, Ground Zero Wrestling. Ground Zero. Hey, uh, Steve. Thank you. Uh, but what people don't know, you and I have been talking for about three hours, so I need, <laughs> I really should let you go. But I, this has absolutely been the best three hours of my life. Thank oh, you. Thank you. I, thank you. And, I've had, I've had a ton of fun. Yes. Thank you for your time. Uh, let's do it again sometime. And, and I'll, I'll, I promise you, I'll make it less time. I'll take less of your time in the oh, future. Oh, that's, that's not even a problem. I love having it. <laughs> And I know, I know the episode isn't coming out for a bit, but as you mentioned, uh, I do have a podcast. Uh, it's the last podcast you'd want. Uh, don't ask me why I decided to name it that. I thought it would be intriguing at the time. Uh, I have a wide variety of comedians, actors, professional wrestlers. Uh, I've had from the WWE, Ricardo Rodriguez, and uh, first inaugural Cruiserweight Champion, TJP, uh, from the world of independent wrestling, I've had Anthony Idol, I've had Mike Camden, I've had uh, Super Beetle, uh, I've had a wide variety, uh, as well as acting uh, Robert Forrester, Academy Award-nominated actor. I've had ja- Wee Man, Rick Kosick, and Lance Bangs from the Jackass movies. Uh, it, I've had uh, Sam Levine from uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. I guarantee that there are, are comedians or actors that you will know 
Uh, and my show is available on all major outlets, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, and of course our home station of Anchor. Uh, yes. And once again, that is the last podcast you'd want. You can find me on Twitter at TLPYW, and you can find me on Instagram at the last podcast you'd want. And if you want to hear my absolute all-time favorite podcast out of any podcast that I've ever heard, go to the last podcast that you'd ever want and listen to the interview with Dark Usagi. I'm not going to say anything else. If you've ever wanted to hear the great Kabuki talk about movies, there you go. The, the Dark Rabbit himself, that's a great one. And then I will recommend, because uh, I did just release it, uh, Clint Howard. If you don't know Clint Howard is, you're crazy. Because he's, he's been in a movie. I guarantee you've seen him in it. Uh, but yeah, uh, the last podcast you want is, is my gimmick. Uh, and Mike, thank you so much uh, for having me on your show. Yes. Uh, this is the first official podcast I've guested on uh, since I, I started this whole crazy thing a year and a half. Well, thank you for being on here. And I am going to let everyone go. Thank you, you listeners, for listening to Never Break Kayfabe. My name is Michael Davis and Steve Straw. Thank you again for being with us. Everyone have a great week.